You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. So we've, we've mentioned Beyond the 52. That's our battle cry. That's our theme for this year. We truly want to be the Christ followers, not just on Sunday mornings, but every other day of the week in our communities and wherever we go. We want to be the church that God has called us to be. So as we have looked at the, the first two weeks of this series, we, we looked at the Great Commission and how God has commanded us, not, not just said, hey, I'm requesting that you guys go and share the gospel, that he commands us to go out and tell people about him. And then last week, we looked at how the Spirit does work that only the Spirit can do. We looked at how programs that we have and flattering words that we may use, none of that produces conviction. Only the Spirit can do that. So it takes the pressure off of us as we go out and we share the gospel we, we no longer have that pressure because we know that no matter what we do, that we don't have the power to bring people to Jesus. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. So because he is working, then the pressure is alleviated from us, and we truly, with confidence and boldness, can go out and share the gospel with our world. And this week, I want to look at how we can truly be a good neighbor. So everybody knows that State Farm, right, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I mean, they have, they have made that famous. And I had State Farm for a lot of years. Over 10 years I was with State Farm, and I just left them recently. And, man, I felt like I was, like, breaking up with a girlfriend because, man, they, were, they have been so nice, and they have truly been a good neighbor, to me and to my family with, with insurance. And I had my house and my car and even some life insurance with them. And I don't know why I switched. I found a better rate and I'm a cheap guy. So I said, hey man, I'm, I'm switching. I'm sorry, I love you, but I gotta go. Um, and what I wanna talk about this morning is how we, how we can truly be a good neighbor. How we can be the, the church in the community in our everyday life that God has called us to be. So it, it goes beyond just sharing the gospel. That's the Great Commission, and we need to do that. And we do that with boldness and confidence because of the Spirit. But it goes beyond just a a sharing of the gospel. We're called to also be a neighbor to people, to love people as we love ourselves. So we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 10, and we're going to read a familiar passage this morning. And it's, it's considered, people call it the, the Good Samaritan, and we're going to read that story. And what I want us to do is I want us to, first of all, understand the, the context of the parable. And then I want us to look at three ways that we can truly be a good neighbor. So we'll be in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. It says this, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. 
And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. God, I pray that you speak through your spirit this morning, that lives are changed, that we can truly leave this place being a better neighbor than when we came in. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So just a little context here. Here's this guy that is very familiar with Scripture. He's a lawyer. He writes Scripture for a living. That's what he does. So one good thing that he does is he has a question about eternal life, and he goes to the source. He goes to Jesus and says, hey, how can I, how can I do this? How can I have eternal life? And Jesus, being amazing with his answers and his communication, says, hey, well, what does it say in the law? You tell me, how do you read it? And he says, well, I'm supposed to love you with everything that I have, and I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. And Jesus says, hey, you answered correctly. That's right. Go and do this. And then this is where we get to where we can kind of relate to this guy. Because scripture says, and trying to justify himself, he asked Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? So what does that mean? And that's important for this parable, for us to understand what this guy meant when he said, well, who is my neighbor? So we see that he's trying to justify himself. So it would seem that he had some kind of preconceived notion of what a neighbor was and who a neighbor was. And we could conclude from this story that he thought that only certain people deserved that kind of care and compassion. So he was trying to justify the way that he lived life by saying, well, who is my neighbor? And what he did not want was for Jesus to say everyone. He wanted Jesus to say the people that he thought should be his neighbor, the people that he was okay maybe helping and loving. He's trying to justify the way that he's living his life. And man, I don't know about you, but I've done this so many times where I try to justify the way that I'm living life or the decisions that I'm making or something that I'm doing And I try to kind of twist things around so it makes me feel better about what I'm doing in my life. And I think as Christians, we do that a lot. We try to justify ourselves based off, man, let's twist this around. And if we can kind of fit this piece in here, then we're doing pretty good. And God tells us time and time again that nothing that we ever do is enough. 
that the way that we live life on our own would never be enough, that we will always fall short, that we don't have the capacity to live on our own the way that he calls us to live. Because in our weakness, his strength is seen. When we can't do something, we see even more that he can. And, and, and we try to justify the way that we're living life. And if you have kids, you know that this is, this is legit. Because kids try to justify the way that they live all the time. And some, some of the justification is, is pretty cool. And it's like, man, I didn't even think of that. Like, I don't even know how you thought of that. You're wrong, but that was very creative. And I'm proud of you. And I wonder if that's how God looks at us. Like, man, you're wrong, but that was creative. So at least you're trying to justify yourself. No, we can't do that. Because if we measure ourselves against God, we're going to fall short every single time. And we want to pick and choose what we can do, what we shouldn't do, who we should love, who we shouldn't love, who we should care for, who we shouldn't care for. And that's what this guy here is doing. And Jesus flips the script like he does so many times in his parables. And he tells a story about a guy who is traveling down a road which is notoriously dangerous. So his readers and, or his listeners would know exactly which road he was talking about and they would understand the, the concept of this guy getting robbed and beaten because that was... What happened on this road, if you traveled alone and you had some sort of goods, there would be robbers and thieves and people that would be there to ambush you and beat you and take your stuff. This was known to them. So Jesus uses this as the story. And I think this is important for us because a lot of times we say no to show compassion or to help someone because we say, man, they should have known better. They put themselves in that situation. If they wouldn't have done that, then they wouldn't need help. And Jesus uses this parable knowing that his, his listeners would say, hey, well, you know what? This guy shouldn't have been going down that road. He knew it was dangerous, but he went anyway. And then we have two religious people that pass by. Two people that should stop because of their status should check on this hurt individual and they go to the other side and they pass by. Man, there could be a, a number of reasons, right? Maybe they were scared that this was an ambush itself, that this guy really wasn't hurt and he was just there to rob them. Or maybe they thought he was dead already and there's nothing they, that they could do. Maybe they thought he was hurt to the point that they just couldn't offer any help. They're not first aid certified and they just couldn't help at all. Or maybe they just thought somebody else would come by and show compassion. And the, the parable doesn't tell us what the reason was that they passed by. It just shows us that these two religious guys who people would think would stop chose to look away and continue walking past. And then we have the good Samaritan. And Samaritan were people who the, the Jews did not like them. Because they were, they were what they would call a, a half-breed. They were, they were mixed with other 
races and ethnicities, and they were just kind of the outcasts. They were filthy compared to everyone else. And Jesus uses this person, the person who no one would think would stop, the person who no one would even want to be friends with, the person who would be the last on the list. Jesus says, hey, this is the person who stopped and showed compassion. This is the person who stopped. So this is the context of this parable. His, his listeners have to be thinking, man, these two religious people, we can kind of understand why they didn't stop. Maybe they didn't want to get blood on their clothes. They were heading to the temple, whatever. But then this Samaritan comes by. And Jesus just begins to ruffle some feathers. And it's not the first time, and it wasn't the last time. Because when truth is spoken, people get uncomfortable. When Jesus says, hey, this is how you're supposed to live life. This is the church I've called you to be. This is how you live on mission every single day. People begin to, to kind of retreat away from that. Because that's not a comfortable life for them. That's not what they're used to. That's not something they really want to do. And that's what is happening here. So I want to give you three quick points about how to be a good neighbor. And in the last two weeks, I felt a little weird because, as you guys know, I usually use the same letter for every point. That's just what I do. And the last two weeks, I haven't done that. So Ashley pointed that out to me last week that, man, I didn't even know that you hit point number two because you didn't have the same letter. So I wanted to go back to the same letter today. So hopefully this will be beneficial for everyone. But number one is this. We have to have sincere love. We have to have sincere love. I want you to think about something. There's a difference between doing something out of love and doing something out of obligation. And that's an important distinction that we have to make. And this is in every aspect of your life. So what I want to do is I want to just take the, the marriage relationship for a second. Because this is something that I have to do. So sometimes I do dishes at home. Not as much as my wife, but sometimes I do them. I fold laundry. I help with the kids, bath time. And I'm trying to give you a long list, but there's just not a long list. Like Ashley does most of the stuff. But here's the deal. I used to do that stuff because I just felt obligated as a husband to do it. And I hated it. And I hated doing dishes. I hated folding laundry. I hated helping bath time because my kids, they don't just sit there. So it's like a, it's like a wrestling match in the bathtub. And I just, I, I don't want to do that. And then at some point in my, in my relationship with Jesus, I understood the difference between doing something out of love and doing something out of obligation. So when my mindset and my heart switched to, man, I want to do dishes because I love my wife and I don't want her to have to do this because I know how busy she is. So maybe just this little task will help just alleviate some of that stress and the, the busyness that she has going on. 
Or man, there's a big pile of clean laundry on my bed and I could sit here and just leave it there because I know she'll come up and do it. But man, I love her enough to where I don't want her to have to do that. And then it becomes less of a chore and more of a joy to do that because it's something that I get to do. It's something that you get to participate in. It's the same thing with our relationship with God. If we're following God because we feel obligated to, we're missing the point. The point is we should be following him because we love him so much we couldn't think of any other thing to do. And there's a difference between love and obligation. And if we want to be a good neighbor, then we must have sincere love. We don't do it because we're obligated to do it. We do it because we love God with everything that we are. And because we love him, that love is just poured out and overflowed into our neighbors. And we see that in John, 1 John 4.20 says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And then verse 21 says, In this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Here's the deal. If we love God, we're going to love people. And that's a sincere love. It's not out of obligation. It's because we're, we're just so in love with Jesus. And we're chasing after him to the point that, man, nothing else around us is getting in the way. And we're just, we're streamlined towards Jesus. And we're running, and we're running, and we're running. And people are in this path, and we're loving them on the way because we're loving Jesus. Man, are we doing that as the church? If we want to live on mission every single day, we must have sincere love as a neighbor. The second thing we must have is sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving. We see here in this parable that, and the Samaritan gave expensive wine and oil. Not only that, that he put this guy on his animal, meaning he walked the rest of the way. And this giving was sacrificial. All too often, because of obligation, we may give a little of whatever's left over. Man, we're really good at giving leftovers. And I'm guilty of this in my own life. It's like, yeah, you know what? If, we got a, if I got a little bit of time left over, I'll help. If I have a little bit of resources left over, maybe I'll help. If I have a little bit of bandwidth left, maybe I'll help. And it's always leftovers. And this guy gave his very best to help and to serve. And are we sacrificially giving to people in need? And that's a question that each person has to answer individually. But man, as a church, we're called to give sacrificially. As Christ followers, we're called to give sacrificially. To give our best. And if we're to, if we're to love our neighbor as ourselves, man, nobody loves me as much as I love me. I'm just going to be honest with you. And you can ask my friends, you can ask my family, that's the truth. Nobody loves me as much as me. 
man, and if I can love myself that much, and I'm called to love you that much, and I'm not going to give myself leftovers all the time, I'm going to try to give myself what I need. And that's what we're called to do for other people, is to give them what they need, not what's left over, but to give sacrificially. And what is sacrificial giving? Like, what does that even mean? And we can look through scripture and we can see that every time that somebody gave sacrificially, it cost them something. And are we loving people to the point where it cost us something? Maybe it cost us some time. Maybe it cost us some resources. Maybe it cost us some heartache. But man, we're loving in a way that we've never loved before. We're giving in a way that we've never given before. The third point is this. Not only do we have sincere love and sacrificial giving, but we have steady compassion. Steady compassion. We saw that this guy took the injured individual. He doctored him up. He took him to an inn and he paid. And then he left and said, hey, whatever you spend, Whatever it costs extra, I'll come back and I'll, I'll cover the bill. So I'm not just going to help. I'm not just going to give. I'm not just going to love and then leave and never come back. I'm going to continuously do this. I'm going to continuously show compassion. I'm not going to stop. And how often do we help somebody because of obligation? We give leftovers and then we think that we've met the quota and we move on, and the compassion is over. And that's not what the church is called to do. That's not who we are called to be. We're called to be consistent and persistent and steadfast in our compassion for other people. And this is an important part of living on mission every day. And you may ask the question that he asked, who is my neighbor? And we can see from this passage that your neighbor is anyone that crosses your path that is in need. And it does, this doesn't mean that you help every single person in the world. It means that if someone is in your path that is in need, that is your neighbor. It is your responsibility to show compassion, to give sacrificially, and to love sincerely. You notice this guy didn't start a home for abused guys. He didn't start some kind of hotel for people that were beaten. He helped this one individual that was in his path. And he saw it through to the end. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to show compassion to those in need that are in our path. And there's people in your path, every single person in here, there is someone in your life, in your path, that is in need. That is your neighbor. And you're called and I'm called to be a good neighbor to that person. And the way that we do that is that we sincerely love them. Not because we're obligated, but because the love that we have for Jesus and the love that he has for us is just overflowing out of our life. 
It's overflowing. It's in everything that we do. And that we sacrificially give to them. We're not giving our leftovers. What kind of testimony and witness is that for Jesus? When we give the, the very least that we have. When we only give if, if we have anything left over to give. And Jesus didn't do that for us. And what if Jesus would have said, hey, I'm just going to give you some leftovers. He didn't do that. He sacrificially gave his life for us. Man, and that is something that we have to understand as Christ followers. And as we leave these four walls and we leave this building, man, we're called to do the same thing. And it never stops. And we should have steady compassion for people. We should see things through. We should persistently, consistently chase after Jesus and touch people's lives in the process. And this is so important. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, let it never be forgotten that what the law demands of us, the gospel really produces in us. Man, so what the law demands of us to love God with all that we are, to love our neighbor as ourselves, the gospel produces that within us. Jesus produces it. There are many ways that the Samaritan was like Jesus in this story. The Samaritan was an outsider despised by many. The Samaritan came after others failed to meet the need. The Samaritan came before it was too late. And the Samaritan came with everything necessary. The Samaritan came right to the afflicted man and he gave tender care. The Samaritan provided for future needs. The Samaritan was much like Jesus. Do you want to live like Jesus? Do you want to love like Jesus? Do you want to give like Jesus? And do you want to show compassion like Jesus? And that, those are the questions that we have to answer today as a church, individually, as the church. Do we truly want to be like Jesus? And as we close this morning, man, I, I want to ask you a question. Are you a good neighbor? Are you a good neighbor? Are you doing what God has called us to do as the church. There are needs all around us every day. And man, I'm afraid, and I, and I know this because I've done this, and we've talked about this here, is that, man, it's, a, it's easy to help somebody who just falls into a bad situation by no fault of their own. Maybe they lost their job, and we're going through a season right now, we've been going through it where people are losing their job, where people can't pay bills, where people are struggling, and it's no fault of their own. And for us, a lot of times, it's, it's pretty easy to step in and help those people. 
But what about the people that are hurting and it is their fault? Are we still caring about them? Are we still loving them? Are we still giving sacrificially to them? Now there comes a time where you, you don't give certain stuff because it enables and I understand that and I'm not saying that you do that. But by giving them the answer of no, sometimes is the best gift that you can give while you're loving and steadily showing compassion. There's people in need all around us. And our community is, is full of people in need. And as a local church body, we get to do a lot of stuff for the community, and we love doing it. And we don't do it because we're obligated. We do it because we love Jesus and we love them. You know that we will do whatever we can do as a church body, a local church. But I'm not talking about the local church. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you as the church. Are you doing this? Man, and I'm glad that you come here and that you participate in what we do. That's important. And it's important that you, you give to your local church body so that we can continue to bless. And all that is, is, is special and it's important. I'm not trying to, to demean that whatsoever. What I'm saying is that as individual Christ followers, we are called to be a good neighbor. We are called to show Jesus to a world that is hurting and broken and in need. And for you, you're called to be a good neighbor to different people than maybe who I'm called to be a good neighbor to. Because the people in your path may not be the people in my path. But there's a reason that those people are in my path. There's a reason that the people in your path are there. What are you doing? Are we so religious that we just say, hey, we'll pray for you and we move on? Do we turn our heads? Do we go to the other side of the street and continue walking? Or do we stop and say, hey, I love you. Not because I'm supposed to. I love you because God loves you. I love you because God's love is overflowing out of me. I can't help but to love you. And then when that is the motivation, man, the other stuff comes easy. It's easy to sacrificially give when you truly love somebody. It's easy to continue on showing compassion when you truly love somebody. Where are you this morning as a neighbor? Are you being the neighbor God's called you to be? And my heart and my prayer for us is that everyone that calls Impact Church home or everyone that visits Impact Church, that individually we could be the neighbors that God has called us to be. And then, man, there's just no limit to what God can do with us as a local body in this community. And we're here for a reason. We're in this city for this city. 
and we constantly focus on Jesus. And as we focus on Jesus, we love people. And that's what I want for us. And Jesus was the perfect example of this good neighbor. Jesus came and saw that there was a need. And the need was for salvation. The need was for sinful people to be saved from an eternity in hell separated from him. And Jesus said, hey, you know what? Well, I'm, I sincerely love you. And I'm gonna sacrificially give. I'm gonna give my life for you. And I'm not gonna stop. I'm gonna steadily show compassion to you. I'm gonna continuously forgive you. I'm gonna continuously love you. I'm gonna continuously hold on to you. Nothing can take me or nothing can take you out of my hand, nothing. And that's the life that I wanna live. Man, and it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't just happen overnight if you're not there. It's not something that you're just gonna wake up tomorrow and say, hey, I'm a good neighbor now. No, it's a process. And I wanna, I wanna move through that process with you guys. I want us to do this together. And it doesn't matter where you are in the process. And we, we have people to encourage you, people to love you, people to hold your hand as you walk through. And in, in two weeks, we're having our one year celebration on January 31st. And we're gonna invite the community to come and hang out. I mean, I want them to see how much we love Jesus. But even the ones that don't show up, like I said last week, the people that have never stepped foot in this building, and we're still called to be good neighbors to them and to love them. And we're gonna talk about community on that day. We're starting a brand new series on the 31st called XO. It's a love series. And that is gonna be love and community and how just through community with one another, man, we get to show love in that and we get to encourage one another. And it's gonna kick off our life groups and how we can just meet together to help each other take those next steps. And this is our heart for 2021 is that we truly become the church beyond the 52 Sundays of the year. Let's pray. God, I just, and I love you. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.